podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. possible that we live life at 90 miles an hour but never seem to get to where we want to be? Why do we have more material goods, more access to information, more ways to interact than ever before, yet still feel unfulfilled? Why are we better off than any society in history, yet often feel tapped out, unmotivated, overworked, and unsatisfied? Each of those questions has the same answer. We are not practicing awareness. That statement seems pretty simple on the surface, but to practice awareness, you have to stop. Stop running from one activity to the next. Stop comparing yourself to everyone else. Stop trying to be who others think you should be. When you stop all of these things, you give yourself space to quiet your mind, reflect on your experiences, and get to know yourself better. And when you know yourself better, you can identify what you want out of life and pursue it, which leads to a more fulfilled life. The journey to fulfillment begins with an awareness of who you are. Traveling a road of personal growth, you will become aware of what makes you tick, what gives you energy when you think about a certain topic, subject, or pursuit, and what drains every last drop of energy. You may not always like what you discover, but you will be inspired by it. The point is to become aware of who you are and who you're becoming. The journey of self-awareness is powerful because increased awareness brings increased understanding, and increased understanding empowers you to make changes in your life that last. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Robert Kamadari about awareness which is one of the many messages in his book, Better Than You Think, Developing Awareness for a More Fulfilling Life. Rob comes from a family of seven siblings growing up in a two-bedroom, one-bath, 745-square-foot house in northeast Baltimore City. He is the son of an Italian immigrant and a red-haired German. Money was hard to come by while growing up. Rob started working at age 11, delivering newspapers, and paid his own tuition through high school and college. He played baseball in college while attending Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida. After graduating from FAU, Rob took a job as a stockbroker in North Palm Beach, Florida. Arriving early for work in July of 1990, he noticed a book sitting on his mentor's desk, The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino, which he asked to borrow that evening. Rob finished reading the book that evening and hasn't looked back since. 
It was after reading The Greatest Salesman in the World and Part 2 of Og's bestseller that Rob had the inspiration to write and speak. Rob began his goal of writing in the winter of 1992, but had never set a goal to write a book or speak until 2001. It was spring of 2001 when he gave his first inspirational speech to a crowd of approximately 650 people. He was then encouraged to join Toastmasters, an international speaking organization, to hone his skills as a speaker. It was in 2005 when he wrote a goal to write a book. Rob knew he wanted the book to be centered on the theme of awareness, but didn't feel worthy enough of being an author. He struggled for years and wrote sparingly before he finally committed to finish the writing of his book in January of 2017. A serial entrepreneur, Rob has been involved in several businesses. He had his own newspaper business from 1994 through December 31st of 2003. Rob was partners in a cigar business in the mid-90s. He has flipped a few houses over the years and has spoken to several organizations over that time as well. He has spoken to organizations such as Wells Fargo, Sherwin-Williams, Wachovia, M&T Bank, BB&T Bank, The Baltimore Sun, and others. Rob has spoken to students at schools and inmates in prison several times. When Rob speaks, he is moved by the Spirit to connect with others and to inspire others to realize their dreams. To read Rob's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Here is the interview with Robert Kamadari. In your own words, who is Rob Kamadari? Wow, that's a great question. So uh, I like to look at myself as, as a passionate guy about life, guy who wants to get the most out of his life and help others get the most out of their lives. Love, I love the question. I'm a tenacious guy. Uh, I'm a guy that's got a resolve about himself that when he gets knocked down, he's going to get back up because he knows he knows of no other way because you sit down and, and cry victim, no one's going to help you. So I'm a God-fearing man. You know, I want to I want to live my life to the fullest and the fullest to serve Him. I don't know. Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Thank you. So before I ask you some questions related to your book, better than you think, I have a few general questions. What is another word for life? There's this book that I've read maybe eight or nine times, and it's called The Way to Love. You know, I know we're talking about my book a little bit here in a little bit, but uh, it, this book talks about how do you get to that place of love? And me personally, from reading that book, I, I formulated some of my own philosophy. And it's like it starts with awareness, then an understanding and an acceptance and then love. And when you have love, there's no place of there's no room for judgment. And we live in a very judgmental world. I think if we go through life and we show we be love we show love we give love to everybody it's a beautiful place oh wow yeah i love that i have to use the same word um do you connect love or this way of defining love to god or the idea of god i i do i, I think there's there what do you, i don't know the different I, I guess it's the greek words agape love and you know the different forms of love but i do i do believe you know god is love yeah, so do I. What do you think freedom is to be free? What does it mean to you? 
Well, that's chapter 15. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that is cute. great. I love that. Uh, so freedom, because that was that's my chapter 15 title. So freedom is like, you know, you can have choices, which gives you freedom. But I think ultimately there's there's a peace within us all that if we get there, we experience freedom. And then the next question is, how do you get that peace and or peace and fulfillment, if you will? I think of times of, you know, how I meditate. And when I meditate, I get myself to a quiet place and you get rid of all these distractions. And what that helps me do, I think, over time is when these distractions come at you from different angles and different places and different voices. If you got a strong foundation from a place of meditation and spirituality, then you are free to deal with that how you choose, which is going to be more peaceful way. You know, they talk about freedom, you know, freedom that you can do what you want, say what you want, go where you want. You know, that's freedom. Free to me is, is like doing the best, knowing, being aware, knowing you did the best you could every step of the way. And, and then you don't have any anxiety or fear after that. Yeah, that's the place to be, right? You made me think about peace now. So peace is a state of mind or a state of living, of being, how is it different from calm, from being calm? Wow. And you're, you're asking some great questions here. So the difference between the state of uh, the state of mind, peace, the state of being peace and a state of calm. That's what you're Yes. Yeah. So I can have a calm mind, meaning, you know, something comes at me and I can just, you know, answer in a calm, reserved way. You know, peace, I think I see as a, a form or way of being fulfilled, like like somebody like, did you make peace with somebody? That doesn't mean did you make calm with somebody? Did you make peace with somebody? Did you make was there was there like there's nothing in you or about you that is, let's say, poisonous. There's nothing in you or about you that's anxious. You know, you're at peace with what you've done, with what you've said, with what you've accomplished. You're at peace with that. I don't know that you can say I'm at calm with that, right? That's a good point. So in a way, calm could be a state of mind then. It's not a state of being. It's a state of mind that can be achieved by external things. Just being, I don't know, around nature or during meditation. Yeah, well, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But, but see, you can be at peace in nature too, because like they like, I think what I've done a lot of reading of uh, lately is, is, is like get yourself connected with nature, um, you know, because nature is life and, you know, it's calming, right? Not nature is calming, but it's also peaceful, right? You know, so I'm thinking about you know, you're you're taking me you're taking me in like this is like ad libbed or, or impromptu, but I love the way you're making me think here. And um, but it, it's, you know, like. I haven't gotten outside and, and meditated in nature like I would like to. Like I have a room, I sit in a chair, I have the lights off, close my eyes, and I just I meditate, you know. But then if you think about, if you quiet your mind and then you really hear like the birds and the wind and the rain, when you, you know, you hear that, do you connect with that? So true. There's so much wisdom, right, in nature. One of the things that I, I realized that, that we are not apart from nature. We are just nature itself. Um, I agree with you. I agree. What is your greatest joy? Right. Like at this stage in my life, like I have, uh, I have three children. My two youngest children are, are great. I mean, uh, high school and just starting college. 
And it brings me joy when I see them doing things that make them happy, when I see them, you know, overcoming their fears, when I hear them express transparency in their own way, because it's just, it's important to me. Like I think about when I, like when I feel joy and maybe it's when like as a, as a parent, when you say something over and over and over and over throughout the years with your children and they don't listen and all of a sudden they do something and you're like, wow, you know, that brings me joy. Right. To know that they are listening to better their lives. Correct. For them. Not for me, but for them. Right. Right. That's beautiful. What do you think is the world's greatest need? I, I'll go back to the word love. I, I think the world's greatest need is they, they need, it needs to be more loving, more gracious, because I think we let you know money and society dictate the way we think it should be instead of the way it really is or the way it really should be. I should say because um yeah I, I think it's love, uh, com compassion, empathy. Those words come to mind. Yeah, yeah, kindness. Yeah, that that makes so much sense. What do you think is the purpose of your life? I, I believe I'm called to inspire and impact people to be the best they can be to reach their fullest potential, which you're never going to, you're never ever going to reach your full potential, but to keep pushing yourself to the, to the outer limits. Cause I, like I, if I can use this analogy, I say, I say that I say to people often that when I die, if I'm, when I'm laying in my coffin and somebody's up on the altar or the, the, the or giving my eulogy, the last thing I want to hear them say is, man, Rob had all the potential in the world. I'll jump out out of my casket and go there and choke them, right? You know, I, you know, I want to hear that. <laughs> I want to hear that Rob ran out of gas. That's what I want to hear. That's and, funny. And I want, I want to run out of gas in my lifetime. And I want those who I associate with to, with, I want them, I want to help them run out of gas. And I don't mean to be tired. I mean, just to be getting, just to get the fullest or experience the fullest life you can possibly experience. What a wonderful thing to achieve, right, in, in this lifetime. That makes me think about fear. So how do we overcome self-doubt and fear to achieve this amazing goal? It's not easy. <laughs> wow, that's uh, I think, sure. you know, you fear... <laughs> Is fear is always going to be there, and you've heard the act or the uh, the cliche, you know, you know, false evidence appearing real, you know, and courage. You've heard, you know, courage is you know moving forward despite the fear, and it's like leaning into your fears. I mean, look, I, I I've experienced fear often, you know, and I I try to trust. I call it the because it's in the book too. I talk about the voice inside, and sometimes that voice is talking to us, and we know it's a good thing, but we're just afraid to to go forward in fear of not knowing what the outcome will be but if the voice if you really are connected to that voice inside of you and you know it's a good thing then the idea is to move forward despite the fear and let the outcome be what it may and then deal with it when you deal with it. it's like getting comfortable being uncomfortable yeah yeah i love what you said trust yeah trusting that voice that voice do you also call it um intuition Intuition, consciousness, Holy Spirit, uh, it can be any of those. Okay, so are they all the same thing? I, I believe so. Intuition, 
I don't know intuition is voice as much as uh, like I feel the Holy Spirit and consciousness talking to you. Because I, I know like I had I had a daughter at a very young age and I felt like for whatever reason, maybe it was supposed to be this way or whatever. But I just felt like since that time frame, I had a, I've had a pretty good intuition about things. Like like some people might complain that, hey, things happen to you, but they really don't. They happen for you. And so things happen for me, they happen for you, and they happen for us for whatever reason they happen for. But the idea is to embrace that instead of fighting it or complaining about it or crying victim. What a great thing, yeah, reference to have or wisdom to have, right? Not to play victim, right? So speaking of intuition and that inner voice, how do we know the difference between that and values, our own beliefs and dreams? So I like to... And I hope this answers the question here. I'd like to think of, you know, I've heard the line a long time ago, when, you're, when your values are clear, your decisions are easy. So I like to play in that. So, so if your values are clear and then, then you say, okay, that voice and that intuition, right? So are, when you have this intuitive moment or when you hear this voice at any given time, is it in line with your values? And that's the question I think you got to ask yourself. And I think if it is, then that's a good thing. If it's not, just maybe, just maybe it's a test or maybe it's not the, uh, maybe it's the bad voice trying to get you to do something that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, right. But I think we all have, I think we all have the, I guess the, the answer to the one, one part is that you got to know what your values are. And if you know what your values are, then you, can, you know if it's in alignment or not in alignment. But I think we all have the we all I think we all should have the I guess logic or common sense to to you know if, if the voice says go rob a bank you know that's a bad thing so you're not going to listen to that voice right but you know if the voice says you know you know go give go pay somebody uh, pay something for it or go buy dinner for somebody that's a good voice you know I agree so in a way values and beliefs are they the same we I think we develop beliefs I think values are within us. You know, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking out loud as you're as you're asking the question. The what do, what do I believe and what do I value? You know, I, I do value my time. I do value my spirituality. Um, I believe that my spirituality is strong. So I think there's I think there's they play off each other. I do not think they're one and the same. Okay, so values, beliefs, they, they can be different. That's interesting what you said. So value is something that it's within and beliefs can be a thought, uh, could be something inserted from the environment, society and other people. I, I agree with what you just said there because you, you can develop beliefs from your environment, from the people you hang out. But I think beliefs are more, are more uh, maybe I'm wrong saying it's more philosophical as a philosophy you develop. Like I believe I believe this. They're not necessarily true, right, to you, right? You just mentioned spirituality. What is the difference between being spiritual and being religious? I, I, I mean, I, I've heard this over and over again. Like, I, I, religious is like, I think the proper word here is dogma. Like, so what's, what's the Hindu religion say? What's the Catholic religion say? What's the Buddhist religion say? You know, spirituality, I think, is a connection to God. It's a connection within yourself to God, to and some people might call it a higher power. Higher power, but I, I think you know, spirituality is a way of living, a way is within, 
And religion is, again, it's outside dogma. It says you, you should do this according to this and according to that. Right. In a way, we go back to values and beliefs then. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They, you're absolutely they're similar. <laughs> what inspired you to become a speaker and then an author? So it was, uh, I, I, I got a long story on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what happened was I finished college in 1990 and I was done writing papers for college. I was done reading. I didn't want any part of that. And I walked into the office one day. I became a stockbroker at the time. And I walked in the office one day and a guy next to me in his cubicle lay a book. It was called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. And I never sold anything in my life. And I'm like, I need to read that book. So I asked the gentleman if I could borrow the book. I took it home that night, read the whole thing. And my life, my, the, the trajectory of my life changed that night. And I read every one of Ogmandino's books from that point forward. And he talked about in his second book, The Greatest Salesman in the World Part Two. he talked about how like in the story that the guy, he, he's the richest, one of the richest guys in the world and he's got all this money. And, and then he talks about having to give it away and how is he going to give it away? And he talks about talking to people and becoming a great orator. And I'm like, mm, I would, it was resonating with me. And I'm like, you know, I think I would love to do that one day. I would love to be an ultimate philanthropist. I would love to be able to give and give and give and help people in ways that, you know, you can't, you don't think you can. I, I've read since that day, I've read probably about 900 books. And I believe we all have a book inside of us. And, I, and I'm like, I really feel called and compelled to help people be the best they can be. And I'm like, I've read enough of these books. I can write one of these books. If, you know, it was in 2001 when I wrote it down as, as like a, a dream or a thought. In 2005, I made it a goal and I didn't think I was good enough. Uh, I wrote one chapter in 05. I wrote one chapter in 09. I wrote two chapters in 14. And all the while, I'm like, who's going to listen to my stuff? Who's going to read my stuff? Who am I to think I'm good enough to share this with until it was 2017 when I committed because I guess I had the confidence and I had I felt that I had enough knowledge and I felt the spirit talking to me. And I'm like, if this is what I'm supposed to do, let's go do it. Wow. And then you wrote Better Than You Think. There was your first book. Yes, correct. Why did you write that book? You know, like, so I, I started Toastmasters. You know what Toastmasters is, by the way? No, I actually don't. I don't know what that is. So Toastmasters is a public speaking form to help you become a better speaker. And, you know, I, you asked me about, the, I answered the one part about the book. I didn't answer just the speaking thing. So I wanted to be that orator, so to speak. And I, I wanted to get the, I wanted to learn the skill of speaking in public. So I joined this, this thing called Toastmasters. I had a lot of knowledge underneath my belt of what personal growth and self-help is. But I didn't understand the story part of it. And I was in a contest one time and they said, Rob, you're a good speaker, but you can be a great speaker if you told stories, if you incorporated stories. So what I've done over the years is I, I, I reflect on stories and I create like this, this story file of my life. And like you have a story file in your life and how many files, how many stories do you have? And those stories together can can come together in a book. And so my thought would be, I want to write a book that is going to be a compilation of a lot of personal stories in my life. What were the lessons I learned and how can you, the reader, apply those lessons? But the idea is for when you're reading one of my stories, I don't want you to say, hey, Rob, that was a great story. Thanks for sharing. I want that story to resonate with you and maybe connect you with one of your past stories 
and see how that resonates and what you can learn from that. Yeah, that's such a powerful method, isn't it? For wisdom, self-knowledge and everything in between. It's been very fulfilling, very fulfilling. So in your book, you talk about the importance of practicing awareness. Talk to me about awareness. What is it exactly? Are you talking about self-awareness? Would that be the same thing? Self-knowledge, being conscientious? For, for me, that's the main thing. You know, awareness of the, the more aware I become of myself, then the more understanding I become of myself, the more accepting I become of myself, then the more I love myself. And when I can do that for me, then I can do it for others. Um, you know, be, I, I love, you ever have that, you know, when you have that aha moment, yeah. Don't you like that? Isn't that really cool? <laughs> yes, right? absolutely. So, wouldn't you love to have, like, mm -hmm. I want to be 90 years old and I want to have aha. Uh -huh <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, so I want, it's just so special to me. And how do you get there? How do you, you know, it's reading, it's meditation, it's experiences, but it's, it's a combination of all this stuff. But I really believe the key to having a higher level awareness is meditation and prayer. Oh, in prayer too. So self-love, do you believe in unconditional self-love? <laughs> Hard place to get to, but I do believe in it. Yeah. What would that look like? So have you ever done like something wrong? And you're like, man, I can't believe I did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the past. Yeah, sure. And what happens? You, 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 sometimes you beat yourself up for an hour, a day, a week, a month, however long it is. You just beat yourself up, right? Oh, yeah. And so yes. that's not unconditional love of self. Right. 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 So I think so to, to get to can we get to that point? I don't think you ever get to a spot and stay there. And I, and I mentioned this in my book. So I want people to develop awareness to live a more fulfilled life. So there's things to do to, to get there and experience fulfillment. But you're going to have a bad day. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to drift. You're going to fall off the path. But then how do I get back on there? You know, by reading, by meditating, by reliving, reflecting on my experiences in life. And that can take me back to a place of fulfillment. So it, it's, um, you, you know, I, I don't ever think you stay there. It's always a work in progress. And self-awareness is like, like when you make a mistake or when you're about to make a decision and you feel that anxiety build up in your system, then you're aware of what happens when you have a decision make. You get this anxiety. And, and you can make one of two decisions. You could say, okay, I can't do this. I'm going to bury my head in the sand. There's no way I can do this. Or you can say, I'm ready to go. I like that. What a great attitude. Talk to me some more about self-awareness. What are some of the methods that we can use? I know you mentioned uh, it's meditation and prayer, two different methods or one and the same? No, no, I definitely believe it's two, two different methods because there's, you know, prayer, you know, you know you're either... Like in the Catholic religion, you're, you praise, you give thanks, and you ask. You know, prayer, there's, it's called prayer petition, I guess you could say. You know, meditation, to me, the way I practice it is just quieting the mind to a place of nothingness, which is extremely, extremely hard to do. And it's just like you're listening. And you're not going to experience the fruits of that so-called labor, like the minute you do it, what, what's, what's happened for me, I remember there was a period for six years, Monday through Friday, every day I would, I would go to church and I would meditate for about 30 minutes and I would do some journaling, some reading and I meditate. 
And it was it was a period of six years I was like very consistent with it. And I remember during that time frame, there would be moments when I would hear something. I'm like, wow, I heard that a million times, but I get it this time. I get it. And I think what the meditation does, it opens up the airwaves for you to receive what's whether whether it's knowledge or wisdom or nuggets of information that were always there, but the wires were so kinked that you couldn't receive the frequency. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Because now you're more open to the, yes. the subtle kind of world or uh, realities exist besides this one. Does it have to do also with that voice that we talked earlier? Intuition, values, listening, being in, in touch with that place. Is that the state that we get to in meditation? Um, I don't know if it's the state you get to, but I do believe you would hear that voice clearer. I do believe your intuitions will be sharper. Um, I do believe the self-awareness is increased because of that. I, I, I totally 100% believe that. What do you really speak of when you talk about meditations being uh, at that place that there's nothing really, no thoughts? So I can, I mean, I can tell you what like my experience has been and so, so like I would use this thing first. This is how we get to that place. So there's do, so many different forms of meditation, right? So I, I would use me personally is what I've done over the years is called contemplative prayer. And, and what you do, you start off with centering prayer, which leads you to contemplative. And the idea is when you first sit down to quiet your mind, you're not going to go from like, like all this noise to, to nothingness. It's not going to happen. There's too many thoughts going through your head in the moment. So I would sit there and, and I get myself in a calm, comfortable position and close my eyes. And like my word, like I would use one word to, for centering, it would be peace. And anytime a thought or distraction would come to my mind, it would be peace, 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 peace. And then eventually you're not thinking peace anymore. You're not thinking anything. And the next thing you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes go by and you're like, what just happened? And you don't know, but you know you were at a place of calm and a place of peace. Would you describe that place as nothingness or uh, light? I would call it nothingness. There's a, I, I'm light, let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Would you say that self-awareness, self-knowledge brings us to this idea of being true to ourselves, doing what matters to us? Is that another thing we learn? I think you can learn it. I think you can develop that over time. I, I know that's not a... It's not easy because I think what happens for a lot of us is that we tend to compare ourselves to other and we compete, whether it's consciously or subconsciously with others. So when we're doing that, we're really not being true to ourselves. I believe that the only that the competition that we should have within ourselves or the comparisons that we should have within ourselves is that to compare ourselves to our unique gifts and abilities. So our unique gifts and abilities are there. We try to compete and compare ourselves to where we are now, to where we think those abilities are and get there instead of trying to be a better, you know, better podcaster than you. I'm not going to go out and say, OK, I'm going to be like Valeria. Right. Am I saying it right? By the way? Yeah. They say in Portuguese, Valeria. It doesn't really matter. You can call me Valerie. OK. But so, yeah. So it's like, you know, like I, I went to I went to a conference years ago and I remember them talking about comparing and competing. And, and I'm like, wow, I got that poison inside of me. And all of a sudden I was aware that I was I was like, I was 34 years old at the time. And, and I realized that for whatever it was, 20, 25 years or so, 
I was comparing and competing with like people unconsciously or subconsciously. I'm like, oh my God, I had this big enlightenment. Like, who have I been doing this with? And it, it caused me to reflect and, and be introspective for a period of three months. If, if, if I can share this with you, this, I mean, this is a great story for me. So when I realized I had this inside of me and I, I didn't want it, I was like, I got to get this poison out. And what happened was I was questioning for three months. I was questioning who I was, what my motives were. Anytime I said something or did something, was I, was I doing it to look good, to be better or better than somebody else or get more attention than somebody else? And um, I was like, I was in a real funk. And every day I was waking up and I was like totally like bummed out and disappointed with myself. Right. So what happened was I said, all right, how do I get out of this? And I went into my bathroom one day. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, all right, I got to step out outside of myself and see myself through my own eyes and see what I see. And it didn't work. I'm like, darn it. I thought I had it. I thought I had the answer. Right. And then I came back the next day and I'm like, let me try this. I'm going to step out of my outside of myself. And I'm going to see myself through God's eyes and see what I see. And it was like, it was like a light switch went off. I'm like, oh my gosh, how does he see me? He sees me perfect as I am. And when that happened, I was like, the funk went away. I'm like, Rob, just be true to yourself, be your true self, not your false self and love yourself for who you are. And it was an amazing transformation for me. Wow. That might be what we call unconditional self-love, right? We just spoke earlier. Correct. I believe that. Great, great point. Yeah. And then this thing about being true to yourself, I wonder how we balance being true to ourselves and uh, the desire to please others and also being there for others. Did you ever see the movie Braveheart? Yes, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, wonderful movie. Yeah, and I think about how William Wallace, the, the guy, he was getting up every day. He was willing to die of himself for his countrymen and for his land. And I think of that, and I think when we get up every day or when I get up every day, am I willing to die of my false self to be truly who I am? And that's an up at dawn, down at dusk task for some people. For me, I could say I could say it is. And, you know, when you get up in the morning, are you being true to yourself or you're trying to be better? Like you're trying to be like Mike or more beautiful than Susan. You know, that's false self stuff. And um, so it's it's like, you know, are you willing? Are you willing to die your false self every day to be truly who you're supposed to be? That's the question I think you got to ask yourself every day. Yeah, right. Can you tell me what it feels like? How do we know for sure when we are acting from our false self. So I think that's like, that's where the awareness comes in. And I think the sharper your awareness is, the, the sooner you know that you did something out of the truthfulness of yourself or out of the, you know, the bull crap or BS that, that you're trying to prove. So for instance, let, let's, let's lose my book, for example. If I've given or sold some books and I know people have my book, right? And I say, well, did you read it yet? Right. So then the question I, I asked the question, did you read it? And now, why did I ask the question? The false self asked the question because the false self wants acknowledgement. Right. I just I just want to I, I want to hear you say, hey, Rob, it was a great job, a good book. And I'm just looking for acknowledgement. I think the true self is like just curious to know, hey, did you read the book? What did you think? You know, and I, I think there can be a fine line there sometimes, uh, you know, I think, you know, I know, we all know, especially if our, if our awareness is sharper, we know when we're being our true selves and when we're being our false selves. 
We know that. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what you speak about. You teach uh, self-awareness and self-knowledge, right? So you wrote that the journey to fulfillment begins with an awareness of who you really are. And this is, we have been talking about this, self-awareness and true self and knowing the difference. What is um, that fulfilled life? You talked before also about a place that's always changing. There's no destination, really. So how do we know that we are living that fulfilled life? And is that an ever-changing one kind of state? Or it's something that we achieve and then we have a reference for, and then we keep practicing or trying to relive that kind of life? Great. Another another great question. Like I'm, as you're talking to me, I, I'm in my home office and I have this whiteboard up on the wall. And, and that whiteboard was the makings of the book. And what I have, I have 16 chap, one word chapter titles up there. And I have about 60 stories written amongst those chapters, which, which end up, you know, ended up in the book there. And I'm thinking, I'm looking back and I think when we have the ability to reflect back on our stories and our lives, and we can we can see what we've learned from it, be it, be it good or bad. And if it's bad, and we learn something, was it ever bad? Oh wow! Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So when I see that and I look at it, I'm like, I, I can be fulfilled. I can I can have this feeling of fulfillment. In sense, you know, I did the best I could in that situation. I learned from it. I'm happy. I'm grateful. That, that that happened, even though it didn't taste good in the moment. But now I see the lesson. I see what it did for me, not to me. And understand that is part of my journey um, and growing and learning and becoming the best person I can be because I can be fulfilled in a moment, but then I can go off and get agitated by something else and say, okay, how do I get back to that grounded place of fulfillment by reflecting on the stories and lessons that made me who I am. Right. So there's a re- it becomes a reference once you know, yeah, for sure. And do you believe that only takes experience? Can we learn what a fulfilled life is by, I don't know, example, like from you, from somebody else without experience? Is that possible? I, I think you can learn maybe the hows, but you have to experience it yourself. That's just my opinion. I don't know if there's any proof of that, but but I guess the point that that goes back to to my book. If my if I'm, my stories could be the example for you, right? And then all of a sudden you say, "Wow, I had a similar story to that." Let me reflect on that story, and then all of a sudden you could be fulfilled in the moment from reflecting on your own story that was triggered by my story. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, very much. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of stories, what is the most inspirational personal story that you have experienced on awareness? The most inspirational and powerful that you think most people can relate to? Wow, I'm, I'm looking at my board at all these stories. and <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, gosh, I don't know if I'll give you the most powerful or the or the, the most important, there's, I just, I'm looking at them and I'm stalling as I'm talking to you. And I'm thinking, you know, what's, what's one of these powerful stories? I mean, so I, I would say this, and it comes from gratitude. I, I'm not going to say this is the most powerful, but I think this is impactful for people to think about. So there, there are seasons in life, right? And we all experience seasons of life. And sometimes 
when a season of friendship ends, when a season of like, like maybe your child going off to college, when or you lose a job or you quit a job or you, you, you start a business, there's seasons. So what happens sometimes when I, I'll use relationships in this example, when a relationship ends, are you bitter about it? Are you angry about it? You know, in the moment, or do you sit back and reflect and say, I'm grateful for the time I had with that person? And there was a moment for me that this occurred. And what happened, you know, it was it was just a, a friendship of mine that it just we were we were buddies and for a long, long time. And some, you know, we did a business deal together and it didn't work out. And then we, we went astray. And, um, you know, I think I can only speak for me. There might have been resentment. There might have been bitterness. There might have been hurt. And because I was hurt by the season ending, I was bitter that I was never going to have that relationship again. And then when I had this moment of thinking, you know what? Why be bitter about it? Why be angry about it? Be grateful for the time I had with that person in my life. And then you understand it. all seasons end. They do. And they change. And you, you go into other relationships and other experiences and other friendships. And being grateful is, I think, the foundation for all of that. Wow. That is so true. Uh, gratitude. It can change everything. And can I share one more with you? I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there because it, it just something else just hit me. I, I had a conversation with this guy years ago, and he he was a, he was a, a pastor, I believe. And I don't know religion, not that that matters. But uh, he said to me, he said, Robbie goes, you will go to the next level in your life and in your business when you start listening and trusting that voice inside of you. And I'll never forget those words. And what happened one time, I was asked to speak to a group of prisoners in, in the prison in Maryland. And I, 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 I said, yes, I'll do it. And after I said yes, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, I wanted to give these guys a message of hope, not just any old speech. And the, the voice inside of me was saying, jailbreak is the title of your speech. And I'm like, I'm like, this is great. I'm fired up. I'm like, there couldn't be a better title for a speech in jail, right? And, and then I started saying, I can't do that. I started fighting that great idea, right? I started fighting and saying, who might think I can do that? The guards are going to cock their rifles and it's going to be uh, you know, mayhem inside a prison if I use that as a title of the speech. And then I thought about what that guy said to me. He said, you go to that next level in your life and your business when you start trusting that voice inside of you. And so in that moment, when I had that 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 thought, I'm like, Jailbreak is going to be the title of my speech. And I, I could go on for five or 10 minutes on a story here, but I went into prison. I, I did this speech and I titled it Jailbreak. And it was an unbelievable experience with 20 guys in a room in a prison in Maryland that occurred maybe, I'm going to guess, 12, 12, 13, 14 years ago. And if I wouldn't have listened to that voice, it wouldn't have had the impact that it had. Yeah. So listen to that voice. And trusting, it's all about trust, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's so true. When I, I saw the, the title of your book, Better Than You Think, it made me think about gratitude, it made me think about purpose, meaning, but also being grateful. And that's something that could be misunderstood, perhaps. How can we think this way? You know, my life can be better than I think. What about gratitude, being grateful for what we have and not being greedy and not trying to achieve 
more and always think in that way? How can we balance that? And that's it's very hard to do. So I don't know. You said you read some of it, not all of it. But so like there's like later on in the book, there's a chapter called The Magic of Gratitude and Blessings. You know, we get anxious and we and, and we get fearful when we're striving for things we don't have and we're, we want this, and we want this and we want that. And we're constantly thinking about what we don't have. And in that moment, we're not in a great we're not I don't think we're in a great place of peace or calm. And, but when we are grateful for what we have, then the other stuff will come in time or, or if it's even supposed to. But being grateful for what you have is is I think it's people have to reflect on that. And, and, and quite honestly, if I can explain to you how the title came about, it has to do with that. Um, I was I was going back and forth with the editor. I don't know. I must have had 40, 42, 43, 45 different titles that we were trying to pick. And we couldn't really I was struggling to pick one. And I woke up one morning and I came into my home office and I looked at my board. And I looked at all these experiences in my life and all these stories. And I sit there sometimes and think, you know, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish this was better, right? And I was looking at this board and the light bulb went off. I had that moment of awareness. The light bulb went off and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at this board. I'm looking at these stories. I'm like, my life is better than I thought it was. And that's where the title came from, Better Than You Think. Wow. Yeah. You know, I love that. So this state of gratitude can give us this insight in how our lives can be better. So it's not the opposite. We don't have to be ungrateful. Um, yeah, we can't ignore the things we have and just always look forward and, and into the future. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. I have another question for you here about um, your children. Do you teach them about awareness and the lessons you have in your book? Do you try to pass this on to them? Yes, I do. And it's hard because sometimes you have to let them experience it at their pace. You know, you, you want to jam things down others' throats and you want people to, to get things when you want them to get them. The only thing I, I've learned, the one thing I've learned as a parent is, is you be, being resilient, number one, and continue and, and continuing to persevere and instill the message over and over again and be the example. And eventually, because children, they, they catch more than they hear. Does that, does that make sense? You know, so they're going to they're going to catch more of what you're doing than hear what you're saying. And. Uh, it's and that's you talked about earlier how when you get when when do you feel fulfilled and it's like in that moment when they got it and that's like okay that was worth the one million times i said <laughs> you know the repetition right <laughs> that's cute talk to me about transparency is it the same as being honest yeah i mean i don't know if it's a synonym or not i i, I I guess it's on the same wavelength, but transparency to me, is like, it's in the book and talks about like I was, when I was young, I'm one of seven kids. I grew up in Northeast Baltimore city and I had the mentality. You had to be a tough guy. And if you weren't a tough guy, you were weak. And, and, but I'm a sensitive guy. I'm a passionate guy and I'm an intense guy. And I was, I was afraid to show, I guess, my passion in terms of my sensitivity at times. And that like, you know, if I cried about something, you know, I was a weak person. I cry about everything now. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's uh, great. But uh, the transparency is like just when I was 34 years old, when I heard it's explained in a different frame of mind, 
that trans being transparent, like is being truly who you are. And the more transparent you are, the more attractive you become. And that was a gift. That that was a gift in that moment to understand that. Yeah, right. Wow. I heard something that I will never forget. Let me see if I remember the phrase exactly. When we hide parts of ourselves, we hide everything. And that's true, isn't it? I often reflect about it. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, and especially women. I think men too, it's interesting, but we do that more. We try to hide parts of ourselves physically, especially trying to look in a certain way. Well, life is, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it's a practice, isn't it? It's a beautiful practice. Oh, yeah, and you just got to keep practicing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I have a few questions for you about your book, about resisting life and accepting life. Can you give some examples of that? So when am I resisting life? So you, it's like when that voice is talking to you and it's giving you something good and you keep downplaying like, no, I can't do that. Or who am I to think I can do that? I'm resisting it in the moment. I, I read in a book one time um, by Matthew Kelly. Um, and he says he, in the book, he says, most people experience resistance the moment their alarm clock goes off every morning. And like, what do you mean by that? And if you hit your snooze button, the first time that alarm goes off in the morning, you're resisting the day immediately. You're resisting the, the wake-up call to get up and go. And you experience resistance right away. And the uh, it's so that's like, so am I fighting that voice? Am I fighting my intuition? Am I fighting my values? Am I if I am I going against the values, then I'm resisting life. If if I hear that voice and I act on it then I'm accepting of that, right? If I hear that, whether, who knows what the outcome is going to be, but you did your best. I talk about, um, like one of my favorite affirmations is I, I love and accept myself for who I am and where I am in my journey in life. And I love and accept others for who they are and where they are in their journey in life. And it's a, to me, the acceptance piece in life is about going with the flow. And even a bigger word is surrender, surrender. You know, and if I can surrender to what's supposed to be, then I'm more accepting of life. If I don't surrender, I'm resisting. That's so true. I have a few more questions for you. I call them, that's the final questions, uh, general questions. So before I do that, would you like to add anything, read a passage in your book? So you, you talked about transparency, right? So th there's a poem, but it, it's going to take, take me a minute to read it. Uh, great. So I was, I was the way this came about. I was, at a, I went to a networking event. It was only six people, you know, per table, so to speak. And we were taught that, hey, you know, most people they go to these networking events, they give a business card and they say a little blurb about themselves, and and they're on to the next person instead of trying to get to know somebody. So this guy, who was heading this group, he said, I want you all to get out a piece of paper and I want you to write the words I am on top at the very top of the page. And he, what he told us, he goes, you're going to take 20 minutes and I want you to write a poem. The poem is titled I Am and you're going to write a poem about yourself. And then you're going to read it to the group and that's how people are going to get to know who you are. So if, if I, can I read this? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the title of the poem is I Am. And it goes, I am from a higher power. I choose to call him God. I am from all his descendants all the way down the line to now two people, Loretta and Marshall, my mother and father. I'm from Italian immigrant and a red-haired German. I'm from a family of seven children growing up initially in a two-bedroom house in Baltimore City. 
I'm from an age where I never heard the words, I love you from my father until I was 34. Therefore, I'm from a lower self-esteem. I'm from a devout Catholic mother. I'm from beginning work, my work career at age 11 from buying my first pair of Jack Purcells to buying my first car at age 16, my 1969 Ford Fairlane. I'm from a competitive family because I always fought to get what was mine and keep it. I'm from paying my own tuition through high school and college. I'm from Florida Atlantic University where I played baseball and became a man. I'm from ACDC, Def Leppard, Ozzy Osbourne. Now I'm from Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Mike Kelly and more. I'm from, all, I'm from the field of dreams, the baseball field, which is a metaphor for life. I'm from the five pound block of cheese we waited for every week or so from social services when we struggled financially. I'm from a motivation to be all I can be because I attended the school of hard knocks. I'm from being a dad at age 17 to being a grandfather at age 43. I'm from always wanting things to be about me to now wanting things and my motivations to always be about impacting and improving the lives of others. I'm from a world of abundance, wisdom, experience, and knowledge. I'm from a fire that burns within me to reach my full potential to be all I can be. I'm from a family now of Debbie, my wife, Crystal, Robbie, and Amanda, my children, Bobby, my son-in-law, and Karina, my granddaughter. I'm from being a mentor and a coach. I'm from a business owner and a real estate team of five to an inspiring speaker of thousands. I'm from all that life is. I am who I am. Who are you? Wow, that should have been the first page of your book. <laughs> the first, you'll cry in the first chapter. Well, you, you may have already read it. I don't know. That's beautiful, though. Really beautiful. Um, how you said it all. So if we all did that, if everybody did that and was honest with themselves, imagine how cool that would be for somebody to get to know you that much about you in one minute or one minute and a half. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, has been a beautiful conversation, honest and open, uh, fun. <laughs> You're a lot of fun the way you speak. Thank you. I'll be asking you uh, my final questions. It's about life. So how do you define success? What is to be successful? For me, it's making the most of all the God-given abilities and talents that I've been given and using them to the best of my abilities. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? So there's lessons I've learned and there's lessons I've learned about myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, they did. Different sections. So so I, I think one of the hardest things was I told you about the time when, when I realized that I was subconsciously comparing and competing myself with others. And therefore, I, I was almost I was judging others and I wasn't being true to myself. And I, like I said, I went to like a three month funk where I'm like, I don't even know who the heck I am. And when I took, when I stepped outside of myself and, and tried to see myself through God's eyes, it was like, wow, I see myself, you know, perfect as I am, perfect the way he made me. Mm. And that's the lesson about yourself. Is there another one, a hardest lesson in general? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, it's, uh, so there was years ago, you know, when I was, again, I told you where I came from, humble beginnings. And I was, then I was like 33, 34 years old, 33, I think now at the time. And uh, I had, I come from the inner city, two bedroom house, and I, I had a net worth of about $750,000. And I said, hey, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 35. And what happened in the next three months, I lost $450,000. And it was a very hard 
thing to do um, to experience because you know where I came from, and I, I built all that up, and then I lost it all, and then I had to go in and tell my wife while she was changing our, our three month old baby's uh, diaper that I had I had lost all the money that I'd, I'd earned and made, and all that was left was the equity in our house and some of our retirement plan. Um, that was a scary day. Yeah, right, that would be for anyone. Right. If you knew you would die soon, would you make any change about your life? Do anything differently? The one thing I started working on, it was in, it was January of 2019, is surrender. So when you, would I change something? I, I would, I would continue to work on surrendering as much as possible because I think the more you surrender, the freer you become. I believe that too. Yeah, absolutely believe that. But that goes back to what I, I was trying to say earlier about um, even if we don't surrender, it's important to accept that too. <laughs> that brings peace, right? Accepting even we, what we cannot accept. Um, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? The more you work on your awareness, is what, this is one, the more you work on your awareness, the more you're going to enjoy the life you live. Um, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, for sure, I know I know this, the sun's right now, the sun's going down today, and it's coming up tomorrow morning. <laughs> I know that for sure. But, I, but I, I know that there's a God. I know that he's my God, he's our God, and, and I know he's got me in the palm of his hands. I know that for sure. Is it, do, do we always see it, feel it, know it? No, not always because you go through these, you know, these trials and tribulations, but I know he's there. Um, I'm sure of that. And then I'm sure life, I guess this might be the last thing, life is going to give to you what you give to it. Yeah, it all makes sense to me. A lot of sense. Thank you so much, Rob. It has been a wonderful conversation. Meaningful. You made me think. Yeah, reflect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Where can we find more information about you, your book, products, services, and future projects? So my web, I have a website. It's www.robcommodoreauthor.com. And then the email address is rob at robcommodoreauthor.com. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. It was great to meet you over the phone here and, 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 and great talking to you. I enjoyed the conversation and I, and I wish all the best for you, Valerie. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. for listening. To learn more about Robert Kamadari, please visit his website, robkamadariauthor.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aiden Bigrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.